So after a small plane crash, two men are marooned on a deserted island. And the first man is pacing back and forth on the small beach. And the second man is just stretched out, sunning himself. And the first man says, aren't you scared that we're about to die? And the second man says, no. I make over $10,000 a week. And I pledge generously to my church. In fact, it's stewardship month. My pastor will find me. <laughs> I've been looking for him all week. So. In today's epistle, in today's second lesson, St. Paul's letter to Timothy, we of course, Paul, the great apostle, is writing to his protege, Timothy, a young man who's recently been ordained, who is serving under Paul's apostolic authority. And in one of the most famously quoted passages of the New Testament, St. Paul says this, he teaches this, have you heard these verses before? All scripture is inspired by God. And is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. How many of you have heard that verses before? Raise your hand. A few of you. Uh, here again, verse 17. So that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. Right here and in other passages in the New Testament, the concept of Christian proficiency is introduced. Christian Proficiency. Let's say that together. Christian proficiency. But what do we mean by proficiency? If someone says that they are proficient in Spanish, what does that mean? If someone says that she is a proficient hitter and she's a proficient pitcher, what does that mean? If I say that I am proficient in calculus, what does that mean? It means I'm lying. <laughs> but seriously, when we say that someone is proficient in something, we're saying that they are capable. They're not an expert, but they're not a novice. They are capable, right? Okay. How much thinking have you done about your own Christian proficiency? Part of the mission of St. John is to help people develop their Christian proficiency. That's the making disciples part of our mission statement. Question. Did you know that you can actually go to church your whole life and never develop basic Christian proficiency? Yeah, you can. But the serious Christian, the disciple, intentionally pursues Christian proficiency. They strive to develop their Christian proficiency. They follow it, they seek it out, they attend to it. Now, more broadly, here's a question for you. How do you develop your proficiency in anything? How do you do that? Practice, practice, practice. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, practice. 
Say it more enthusiastically. Alright. Now, if you'll turn to your, the back of your bulletins, turn to the back of your bulletins. Turn to the back of your bulletin. Surprisingly, not the bottom, not the back cover, but the last page, you will find what? Practices. Our rule of life, our spiritual rule of life as a congregation, is a routine of spiritual practices designed to help you develop your Christian proficiency. Or to say it another way, these practices are designed to help you become, with God's help, the best version of yourself possible. And these are seven marks of discipleship, or these seven practices have been characteristic of faithful Christians for 2,000 years. Let's read the rule together, just the parts in italics. In response to God's love, supported by my St. John's family, and empowered by the Holy Spirit, I will live my baptismal vows as a disciple of Jesus by striving to worship weekly, pray daily, serve at St. John's and beyond, love others and build spiritual friendships, know the Christian story and invite others, give generously, rest regularly. So, what is the sixth mark of discipleship? Give generously. That is the giving of your time, your talent, and your treasure. That's managing all that you have in a way that blesses others. The giving of your time, talent, and treasure, using all you have in a way that blesses others, that's Christian stewardship. That's one part of Christian proficiency. Here is a fuller description. Quote, Christian financial stewardship includes providing for your family, getting out of unhealthy debt, giving to other good causes besides the church, living a reasonable but not lavish lifestyle, Spending your dollars in ways that bring health to our planet. Spending dollars in ways that contribute to a sustainable economy. And not an economy that is destructive to people's lives. And leaving a financial legacy behind that will bless others when you die. End of quote. How you doing with all that? That's all Christian stewardship. Those are all matters of Christian proficiency. True false statement. You tell me whether it's true or whether it's false. All that stuff that I just read is easy. False. Unless you learned it from a really young age and you've always been doing it. But it's pretty hard stuff. Especially if you get in some difficult situations financially. It's tough. But it's all part of Christian proficiency. And now, for a brief moment of comic relief. Just very brief. Very small. So an Episcopal priest is walking the neighborhood. And as she's walking, she looks across the street and she sees this little boy. And this little boy climbs up the steps to a house. He gets on the front porch and he's trying to press the doorbell. And he struggles to do this. 
And so the priest, she crosses the street, she goes up the porch, she goes to the front door, she rings the doorbell. She leans down and says, and now what, little man? And the boy says, run. <laughs> yes. Now with all this conversation about Christian stewardship and discipleship and proficiency, you may feel like running. But it's going to be okay. Just deep breathe. Deep breathe. It's going to be okay. Alright, so again, what's the sixth mark of discipleship? Give generously, right. Now, we've acknowledged that, that at St. John's, we understand that that means a whole lot more than just giving to the church. It's a whole lot more than that. But having said that, the focus of our October Stewardship Month is pledging. And so if you've made a pledge to St. John's before, thank you. And by the way, if you're a guest, you came on a wonderful Sunday, didn't you? But the good thing is, you just get to sit back and listen, because, you know, this doesn't necessarily apply to you, so just enjoy. Though if you are passing through and you're a member of a church elsewhere, I encourage you to generously pledge to your home congregation. But our focus of this month is very simple. We're asking you to prayerfully consider making a pledge again to St. John's. And if you've never pledged to this congregation before, we're asking you to prayerfully consider pledging for the first time. Now, pledging is about a whole lot more than simply helping to pay the church's bills. Though we certainly have a number of those. Pledging is one concrete way that you can express thanks to God for all the blessings in your life. Pledging is one way of you saying, hey, I support my church family. I hope that we can achieve renewal. There's an old saying, I bet some of you have heard it before. Just to make sure I get it right, let's see. Money is a great servant, but a terrible master. How many of you heard that saying before? Money is a great servant, but a terrible master. And your generous pledge is a way of having your money serve a greater cause, a greater purpose, a greater difference. Your generous pledge is a way of helping this congregation achieve its goal of becoming a renewed church. Wait, what are you all whispering about? I can hear you all whispering. Oh, tithing. You're all whispering about tithing. That's right. I, I, you would be sad if I didn't talk about that, I'm sure. So the tithe is the giving of 10% of one's income to God's work. Now, among different Christian churches, there's debates. There's different understandings of how the tithe works. Some say give after taxes, some say before. Some say the whole tithe should go to the local church. Some say you can divide the tithe between the church and other good causes. Well, however you sort that out, and we can help you figure that out, start. It can take a long time to get to a tithe. It can. But start somewhere. Start with 3% of your income. Start with 1%. But start. So, give generously of all you are and all that you have. Uh, Winston Churchill was reputed to have said these words. We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. 
And that's not just about giving to the church. That's about everything. We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. So, give generously. Amen.